Moriah. Before I preach today, I want to give honor to my parents. I'm blessed to uh, be in the same church with my mom and dad. Uh, I grew up going to church with my parents because I had no choice. They just brought me up in the house of God. And, and then back in uh, the year 2000, the summer of 2000, my mom and dad uh, sold their place in Chicago and moved south of the Mason-Dixon line and joined their son and daughter-in-law that were here beginning a church in Cabot. And I am so very, very blessed. And I wanna honor them today and I also wanna honor my mother-in-law, Stacy's mother, Zeta Hogan, uh, they have really been the main influencers on me and Stacy's lives, and they have and they continue to live out what I'm going to be preaching today. So I would be remiss if I did not honor these great people for embodying what I will preach today. I wish you would take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, the Old Testament book of 1st Kings. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. In Scripture, in the Old Testament, and we don't do it out of law-keeping, but rather just out of reverence and respect for God's Word, uh, people would stand when the Scriptures were read, and doesn't mean that God's not going to anoint if we're seated. Don't, don't run down the road with that. But just out of reverence, because uh, if so a dignitary was to walk in here, we would all stand in reverence of them. And uh, not that we uh, are forced to do that, but just out of honor and respect. And so I think there's no higher book in all the world than God's word. And so we stand in honor of that. First Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to read several verses of scripture. I'll try to read them quickly so that it doesn't take too long. Elijah the Tishbite, verse 1, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as... The Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that he, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. She said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel, a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Think about that. I'm going to read a few more verses, but I'm gathering sticks. I'm going to go build a fire. I'm going to go make a little food. We're going to eat it. Then we're going to die. Now, that's a very strange daily log. Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after make for thee, 
and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Watch this next phrase. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Here's the culmination, verse 16. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Amen. I want to preach for just a few minutes on putting God first. Would you say that with me? Putting God first. Amen. Lord, thank you for this great service. Thank you for the Bible. Let me represent you and your word properly today as I preach. I do need your anointing, Lord, and I humbly ask for that, and I also claim it by faith. Bless your people with ears to hear, Lord. Do a work of the Holy Spirit in this room, I pray, God. Let us walk it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. You may be seated. At this onset of a new year, 2022, I am preaching what I hope is a practical Bible message. And I believe that the Lord has chosen a topic, something that I have learned as an individual, and yet I am still learning. I learned it first through observation. I hadn't experienced it, but I had observed it. How many of you know there is an element of learning that takes place by what you observe in other people? Yeah. Um, Every once in a while, while I am preaching, I will do this. And I want you to watch real close. I will do this. I will go. kind of a dramatic gesture with the hand. And my wife right now, when I did that, can tell you who that is. Now, you don't have to holler it out, but can you just nod your head if you know exactly who? Okay, she does. Uh, I grew up in suburban Chicago, and I went to college in California, and my pastor in California was a man by the name of Kenneth Haney. He pastored a large church in the San Joaquin Valley. And Brother Haney was quite a, quite a man. I mean, I've, I've never known anybody that had a memory like Kenneth Haney. The church was probably 2,000, 2,500, something like that. And I remember sitting in staff meetings with him. And he would say, I need to know where Brother so-and-so was yesterday. I missed him in church. And I wonder where sister so-and-so was. And he had a memory by just looking at who was there and who was not there. Now, just in case you think that's where I'm going today, that I've got eagle eyes in this room. That's not the similarity that I embraced from him. But rather, I embraced from him a preacher's point. I mean to tell you, there are times that I will be preaching in this church, and I'm just getting it and 
hmm, I'll make that point and I'll think, that is Kenneth Haney. There are some things you learn by observing in other people. And then there are things you learn by experience. People can tell you all day long about their deliverance. And you can learn that he is a delivering God. But then when you experience deliverance, when you experience the lifting of your mind and the opening of your thinking and the sleep that comes at night that used to escape you, when that happens, it's not just observing him working in other people, but now I have experienced him for myself. How many of you know what I'm preaching about right there? You have seen it in other people, but you've also experienced the powerful hand of God. You've experienced his provision and you've experienced his glory on your life. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And I am preaching this morning on perhaps... The key in my thinking to successfully following Jesus. I want to direct you to the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And I wish you would go with me to the sixth chapter. It's Jesus teaching on the mountainside, one of the most famous sermons of all time. And he is going through a litany of subjects, things that people need to know. And he teaches about provision, and in response to that teaching in the 6th chapter and the 25th verse, he continues his sermon by saying, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't there something more to life than just that? Look at verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. Everyone say, don't worry. Do you see this, this theme that Jesus is teaching here? Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In this context, Jesus is declaring that there are many people who are not in covenant with me, who are not followers of mine, that in his words, seek after temporal things. The word seek means to pursue, to get after, to prioritize, to really make primary importance. And Jesus said there are people galore who do that. Their primary focus in life is to seek after temporal things, food and drink. And, clothing. and I want you to notice that all three of those are very finite. They have a beginning and they have an ending. 
All food has a beginning and it has an ending. All drink has a beginning and it has an ending. Clothing will wear out someday. And Jesus says, do not let your greatest seeking, your greatest pursuit be after finite things. Do not be anxious and overwhelmed and overcome about seeking and pursuing temporal things. But then as it is on a dime, Jesus says, but rather seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first that which pertains to God and everything about him. Find out where God is working, what God is blessing, what God is putting his hand upon. Get after that. Seek after that. Pursue that. And he said, pursue it first. Pursue that kingdom first. Pursue righteousness, which is the condition acceptable unto God. Seek that first. And then Jesus says, if you will do that, all these other things that so many others prioritize as first will be added on to you. There is a progression, kingdom first, temporal added. Kingdom first, temporal added. God first, temporary added. God above everything else, temporary added. I have observed it and I have experienced it. If you and I, under the sound of my voice this morning, will say, God, my greatest pursuit in 2022 is going to be you and everything you're about. There is a powerful momentum that will take place. We will find ourselves enamored not by the temporary, not by the temporal, not by the things that are fleeting and failing and decaying, but rather our attention will be riveted on the eternal and our attention will be upon the primary priority of making him first. And folks, it's his word. He said, if we will do that, He'll make sure you're eating and you're drinking and you got clothing and everything that is temporarily needed will be taken care of. It's a promise. Everybody say it's a promise. Now just look at someone and say, if you're waiting for the sermon to get good, it just got good. Everybody say kingdom first, temporary added. <clears throat> Listen, if I seek after temporal, I lose eternal. But if I seek after eternal, temporal is added. If I pursue, if my greatest energy, if my greatest time, if my greatest investment is after things that will decay and fail, I'll miss the eternal. 
Jesus teaches that temporal things are not non-important. They just shouldn't be primary. They are added on to the primary pursuit of God's kingdom and being right with him. Now, I want to show us something, and I really believe the Lord will speak to us today from this passage in 1 Kings chapter 17. The prophet has had the Lord move upon him to declare that there will be a drought. And it will not rain. And it's one thing for us to have a summer where it doesn't rain. It's another thing for that to have three, three and a half years where there's no rain. And the scripture says that Elijah spoke the word of the Lord and the Lord followed up and, and did what he said. The word of the Lord came to him, he spoke it, and he brought it to pass. There was no rain. But the first lesson I can learn from this passage is this. A less than desirable environment is a tremendous opportunity for God's provision to be seen. We'll say that again. A less than desirable environment is a tremendous opportunity for God's provision to be seen. Now here's why I think this is so important that we get this today. Because you and I, if we're really honest, would probably confess that the world we're living in right now I'm talking about January 9, 2022, in many regards, is less than what is ideal for us. Now, do I have to coax anybody on that? Do I have any witnesses in the house today? Anybody wish it was a little bit different today than it is right now? I know I'm, 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 I'm talking to the ones that are in the house of God. There's people that are sick, unable to be here today. We all are surrounded by what may be perceived as less than desirable environments. But I want to just lift from the scripture the idea that when you and I find ourselves in a less than desirable environment, we need to lift up our heads we need to realize that it's in that reality, it's in that moment, it's in that environment that God can step in and he can provide something for us in a way, oh, I feel this in my spirit today. He can provide something for us that could not come in the good times and it couldn't come when we're on the mountaintop, but something about the valley brings out a quality of God that I have never seen before. I may be down, but I'm not forgotten. And I may be going through it, but hear me, I'm going through it. I'm not staying in it. And God steps in when it seems less than perfect. And he can work in a way that marvels us. See, Elijah's key in this passage to being sustained in the drought was not his need and how great his need was, but rather hearing and obeying God's voice. So he's in a drought. Everybody's in a drought. And I want you to notice something in 1 Kings. Do you have that still in your Bible, 1 Kings 17? I want you to notice something. Look at verse number 3. It's a less than desirable environment that Elijah is in. And in this less than desirable environment, verse 3, the Lord speaks to him. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, watch what the Lord says. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith which flows into the Jordan. 
Talk about GPS. God said it's less than desirable right now. Get up. Turn east. Go to a brook called Cherith. It flows into the Jordan. Look at verse number 9, 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 9. I'll just fast forward. He goes to Cherith and great things happen and the Lord provides food by the ravens and yet before long that brook dries up and verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. See, the key to the prophet's success was hearing what God was saying. Listening for the voice of God and then obeying what he said. Oh, I wish I could give a gift to everybody in here. I'm going to tell you right now, I wish there was a way that I could. I wish there was a way, and forgive this weird example, but I wish there was a way for me to come down and open every brain in this room right now and deposit in the brain. You want to be successful? I want to be successful in living for God. It's not some magic potion. It has nothing to do with your last name. It doesn't matter if your granddaddy was a preacher or if your mama was a drunk. It matters not. What matters, the gift that I would give is ears to hear what God is saying today and an obedient heart to walk out whatever he says if God says get up I gotta get up if God says turn eastward I want to turn eastward if God says go to the brook Cherith I'm not gonna go to the brook Albatross or the brook Johnson I'm gonna go to the brook Cherith why because God said to go to the brook Cherith and hey Elijah if you'll go to that brook I'm going to whisper in the heart of a raven to bring you food at night and food in the... If you'll get to that place... Oh, somebody help pastor preach right now. If you will get to that place, I have prepared a bird for your sustaining. And if you'll get to that city called Zarephath, I have commanded a widow woman to start preparing to bless the man of God. Folks, if we could hear what God is saying, he knows where we're at. And even though it's less than desirable, Karen, he's got a word for us. And he's got an action step for us to help us be sustained. Amen. I am thankful I'm thankful for the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for preaching. And I know that's a self-serving comment. I don't mean it self-serving at all. I'm so thankful for preaching. I'm so thankful for teaching. I'm so thankful for messages and sermons that get all on my toes. I'm thankful when the preaching gets in my business. I'm thankful when the preaching and the teaching goes forth and it seems like somebody's been talking to that preacher. Somebody's been listening to my prayers. Somebody's been in my prayer closet with, I thought I was by myself, but somebody's been in. I am thankful for the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for preaching that comes from a fiery pulpit. I thank God for teaching that comes from that book right there. There is something about that living word that when God says it, it's divine and it's holy and it's pure and it brings to pass what God said. He has chosen the foolishness of the declared word of God to save them to believe. 
I love what Samson's daddy, Manoah, said when he prayed to the Lord in Judges 13 and 8. He said, oh, Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. In other words, we need a word from the Lord. We need something to help direct us. When in this passage in 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, there is an interesting uh, word that is used, and it's the word commanded. He said, Elijah, I need you to get down to Zarephath because I have commanded a widow woman there to take care of you and sustain you. Now, here's what's interesting about this story. When we hear the Lord say that to Elijah, we already have knowledge of how he would use that widow woman. But when Elijah gets to Zarephath and meets her, she doesn't even know the part she's playing. Now, let me stop here. Everybody okay today? You good? Maybe just smile every once in a while. That, that'd be good. That would let me know it's not quite as painful as your face portrays. See, isn't it human nature, Tom, for us to think, well, if it's really God and he's really going to sustain us, I'm going to go from point A to point B. And when I get to point B, there's going to be a word from the Lord. Somebody the night before will have been in prayer for six hours and the word of the Lord will have come to them and said, Speak thou, because you know God speaks in King James. Speak thou unto Pastor Jimmy and say in his hearing, Yea, Pastor Jimmy, I would give thee my word. Sometimes people don't even know they're being used by God. Let me ask you a question. If he's great enough to whisper in the ear of a raven, don't you think he can speak to somebody else? Psst, Mr. Raven, go fly there and take care of that man of God. Why? Because I gave him a word that I'm going to sustain him, and I need somebody to bring this to pass. I need someone to walk this out. Raven, I have a job for you. Man, I've got a job for you. Woman, I've got a job for you. He commanded the woman to sustain the prophet. It's the same word command that's found in Psalm 133 that it says that it's good and it's pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. Verse 2, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. And the Bible says it is there that the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. There is something about a commanded blessing from God. There's something about a commanded appointment from God. Let me just preach it prophetically like I feel it in my spirit today. There is going to be somebody that rises up from this Sunday sermon and begins to walk out practically what this pastor is preaching. And there's probably going to be a time in March or in August or early September or late October that you're going to scan back over 2022 and you are going to see the obvious providence of God, the people that he put in your life and 
the situations that he negotiated and brought us through. Why? Because he's great enough and he is powerful enough to command people to sustain his people. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody say a commanded blessing. So even though it's less than desirable, it's a great environment to see God's provision. Secondly, putting God first demands that I do not allow circumstances to be my main focus. There's a lot of folk right now in this world that are enamored with what we don't have right now. What we don't have. I remember several months ago when Delta Airlines, and I fly Delta a lot, when Delta Airlines brought coffee back on their flights. Oh, it was a day of rejoicing in the Gaddy household. And I remember boarding flights during the, the early part of the pandemic. And the, the gal or the man would come down the aisle and he, they would say, Mr. Gaddy, can I get you something to drink? And I, I learned to actually just ask it, though I knew what the answer was going to be, I would ask it anyways. Yeah, I'll just take a cup of coffee. And they would say, no, I'm sorry, we, we don't have any coffee. And I remember for months, I was like in, in the pits because I was so focused on what I didn't have. But how many of you know that is very easy to do in life? To live our life, go through our day, and focus on what we do not have. The, the, the prophet comes to, to Zarephath, and he occasions upon the widow woman that the Lord said would be there, and she's gathering sticks by the gate. And he says to her, and, and this is just a little different, you know, I don't know that I would have said it like this, but he says to her, woman, fetch me a little bit to drink. Now, I have never, ever, ever said that to my wife. I've never said to her, hey, fetch me something, Stacy. Sounds just way too casual. Babe, would you please give me a glass of water? But he says, fetch me something to drink. And as she is going, she was a kind lady. She was hospitable because she doesn't say she second-guessed that or who do you think you are? She just went to go get the water. And while she's going, the prophet says to her, ma'am, while you're headed that way, bake me a cake too. <laughs> I don't know why that hits me so funny. While you're going... A little Debbie would be perfect right now. <laughs> but bake it. I don't want the store-bought stuff. Bake me a cake. Now watch, watch, watch how human nature kicks in. Because the woman, not realizing she was the one God had chosen to, to, to bring a blessing to the prophet, said to him, Sir, I have to just be honest with you. Uh, I'm gathering two sticks, and I'm going to the house. I'm going to build a fire. I got a little bit of meal in the barrel, and I got about that much oil in the cruise. And I have successfully got a recipe for that much oil and that much meal. 
and I'm going to put it together, and I'm going to bake one more cake, and me and my boy are going to eat that cake, and then we're going to die. In other words, I don't know that she meant die that day. I think she meant we're going to eat one more meal, and that's all we have. So it'd be a slow death. Notice, she focused on what she didn't have. And the prophet looks at her, and, and you would think, now, now, I'm not going to preach much longer, just hang with me, but you would think, if human nature takes over and compassion is on his side, that he would say, oh, I am so sorry. That's really a rough spot you're in. I'm so sorry, you just have a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal. But obviously, the prophet didn't read Carnegie's book on winning friends and influencing people. Because seemingly ignoring her plight, he said, oh, you're baking? Good. Since you're baking... Why don't you bake a cake for me first? <laughs> what happened when she prioritized God's word first? What happened when she ignored or put behind her what she didn't have and instead focused on what his word has said to do. The Bible says that she went and baked the cake, she brought it to him, and when she got back home, there was a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil in that cruise and she baked a cake, and she ate it with her boy, and it sustained her for another day. And when she got up the next morning, there was enough oil and enough meal to bake a cake and to eat that cake and to sustain that family. And when she got up the next morning, there was still enough oil in the cruise. And there was still enough meal in the barrel. Can I preach to somebody right now that sometimes the miracle is not in the abundance, but the provision. Sometimes the miracle is that when I get up in the morning, I still have enough. I still have a supply. I still have enough to make another cake. I still have another will to go on another day. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. He doesn't have to overflow it. He just has to supply it. But he that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think will supply it for us. Come on, he's a God of enough. Come on, shout that with me. He's the God of enough. Come on, he can give you enough mercy and enough provision and enough talent and enough gumption to keep going the key though was she had to respond to god's word first 
And when she responded first, he took care of all the temporary. Those of you that are good cooks, we've got some, some good cooks in this church. Yeah, I've, I've sampled your cooking. In fact, I have to admit something. From time to time, I've chosen what small group I'm going to go to. Did I just say that? Based on what menu has been leaked. And then you have to kind of match it up with who you know is cooking. I just sense the Lord leading me, brother, to your small group tonight. Those of you that are cooks, I want to give you the recipe for miraculous bread. You ready? Here it goes. You need to write this down. You're going to need to know this someday. Here's the recipe for miraculous bread. Flour, oil, and God. Oh, that's good, Brother Daddy. Put that on allrecipes.com this afternoon. Flour, oil, and God. Take what you have and give it to him first. And watch him take what you have and sustain it for all of your life. Take the little that you have and put it in the hands of God first. And watch him take care of every day after that. The recipe for my miracle is my circumstances. Plus God equals his provision. My circumstances yielded to him, given to him. Plus God. And he takes care of us. There are two words which impact every decision to put God first in this year of 2022. The first word is fear. It's why the prophet said to her, do not fear to bake that cake first for me. Because the first battle, the first hurdle we ever have to get over in putting God first in our life is fear. What will happen if I put him first? What will happen if I give like that? What will happen if I begin to tithe at the church? What will happen if I start giving him the first 15 minutes of my day rather than turning on the radio or turning the TV on or getting absorbed with other things? What will happen? My whole life will get turned upside down. No, we must confront that fear. The second word which must impact our decision to put God first is literally the word first. What are we doing first before Everything else. Now, let me finish with this. It is fascinating that the decision to put God first has nothing to do with what's going on in the world around me. It has nothing to do with the present state of my resources. It is simply a decision and a deliberate action. I want you to look at one more verse in this passage. I'm just about done. In fact, musicians can come. 1 Kings 17, look at verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Watch this. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. Everybody, look right here. I'm going to ask you just to close your Bible and look right here at this preacher. This passage proves to us that the power needed to put God first is already in our hand. 
In a moment, I'm going to ask us, as we typically do at the close of a service, to come here around the front as a family, as a church family, and pray together. But can I just tell you something? Everybody look right here. Put your eyeballs on the forehead of the short preacher right now. I don't have to come down to you and lay my hand upon your head and you feel a for you to put God first. Because according to the prophet, the miracle was already in her hand. The power to put him first was already resident in her life. It just takes the decision and the action. Amen. I'll close with this. I remember the first time my parents, I told you I want to give honor to my parents and my mother-in-law for living this out. I remember my parents teaching me about tithing. And that's just one area where you put God first in your finances. At first, the word tithe literally means a tenth or the first 10% of your income. You render back into the storehouse, which is where you receive food spiritually. And that's why I believe scripture teaches to bring the tithe to the local church. And I, I, my, my parents taught me that. So when I would mow yards when I was a teenager, you know, I'd get $30 for mowing a yard or, you know, the stingy neighbors would give 20 And every once in a while, they didn't have to say it a lot, but my mom and dad would say, don't forget to pay your tithes. And uh, I, I, they probably gave me cash. I don't think they wrote checks to me as a teenager, but I, I'd get change and I'd take those $2 and I'd go to church and we had little envelopes like we do here and I'd write Tim Gaddy $2 I'd give it as a tithe and I remember the first few times that I did that I thought to myself you know that, that could buy some Laffy Taffy I could get a bottle of pop. That's what we used to call it in Chicago. I could get a bottle of pop for that. But I'm going to, here's the revelations coming. You ready? Buckle your seatbelts. Revelations coming. The quicker you and I can put him first by removing the emotion out of the decision, the easier it becomes to put him first. People have told me, not, not many people, but some people just kind of kidding around. Pastor, if I ever came into it, whew, if those mineral right payoffs ever came through, Pastor, I want you to know I'm paying tithes. And all I have to know in how to respond to them is to look at their tithing currently. Nope, you won't. You want to know why? Because if I can't tithe on $20, I'm sure not going to tithe on $2 million. But if you can tithe on $20, you can tithe on $2 million. Because I realize it's not mine anyways. I'm just placing him first in a real and a 
practical way and showing him he's first. I'm not getting all emotionally connected to it and wondering what I could do with it. I'm returning it because it's his. Now listen, I, I know... I know some of this sermon has been scriptural, some's been a little humorous, some's been just me talking and teaching, but I'm gonna tell you something, there's probably not a sermon that I have ever preached across this pulpit that is more applicable to successfully living God, living for God than this right here. Young people, please hear your pastor right now. I believe in you. And if y'all can get this, there's not a devil in hell that can defeat you. There is not a devil in hell that can defeat you. Doesn't mean we won't have battles. It doesn't mean we won't have temptations. But if you and I can win the placement war, we can be successful in living for God. Let's stand together. Would you join me up here at the front? Can we pray together as a church family before we go home today? Come on, let's just come forward. That just tells the Lord, I'm responding to your word, Lord. I'm responding to your word today. Praise God. See, the power to put him first is already in our hand. It's just my decision today. It's just my decision to walk it out, to live it out, to let it be a part of my life. Why don't you just pray with me right now and just pray to the Lord about whatever has come to your mind in this message today. I'm not going to tell you what that is because that's personal to you right now. But maybe the Lord has put a thought in your mind or an area or something that you want to just verbalize that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm making a commitment today. I'm reaching out to you in my faith and prayer right now. I'm committing to put you first in this area of my life. Can we lift our voice together right now and just tell the Lord that in our own way? God, I give your spirit permission right now to reveal areas in my life, Lord, that are not placing you first. Lord, I want to conquer with your help, with the power of your spirit. I want to conquer the fear that comes with putting you first rather than me first or my needs first. God, but your word is clear. If we will put you first, all the temporary things will be added to us. So God, I give your spirit permission to work and reveal even this week areas in my life of deficiency, Lord, where I'm placing me ahead of you. I'm placing my need ahead of you, God. I pray that you will help us to conquer that fear by your power, Lord. I pray that you will let us seek first the kingdom of God, everything that's involved with you, Lord. Prayer, giving, worship, involvement, coming and being a part of ministries and not just making excuses, but coming and saying, I, I can volunteer. I can be a part of that. I can step in and help, Lord. I pray that you will let us fall in love with your kingdom and pursuing that kingdom first, Lord. You're going to take care of us, Lord, if we do that. That's the promise from you, Lord Jesus, that we claim today and we cling to this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless your people, I pray, Lord. Hallelujah. As for me, 
I'm putting you first, Lord. Come on, new life. I can't make that decision for you, but you can make that decision today. I, I can't make it. I can't qualify it for you, but you can make that decision. Lord, teach me. Show me. Show me your way, God. Walk with me. Let me be obedient to your word. Let me walk it out practically, Lord. I give you permission to show me that this week, Lord, in Jesus' name. Brother Jason, let's sing to the Lord before we go home today. Let's worship the Lord in one more song. Hallelujah. Come and 